Welcome, everyone, to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am your host, Greg Schutz. This is episode 17 of the 2024 podcast series, where we take a look at the draft-eligible prospects and get you ready for the NFL draft. And I'll tell you what, I know I'm a little late to the party with the Senior Bowl recap, but I wanted to go back and take another look at the film, really give me a lot more time to to take a look at some of the one-on-ones, take a look at really who are the guys that were showing up and showing out. And look, there were a lot of guys that put their names out there, guys that really are going to be on that first round radar that maybe we weren't talking about previously. So we're going to jump right into that here in just a moment. But one thing that I did want to do, you know, we, we, we know that... There's a lot that could change when we're talking about the top 10. Uh, Really, there could be some trades. We're looking at the quarterback position. There are a lot of teams that could be jockeying for position to get a quarterback. We've got as many as five quarterbacks who can come off the board in round one. If you throw Michael Penix Jr. in there, if the medicals check out, he may even sneak into round number one. That'd be six quarterbacks in the first round potentially being taken. It's, it's unreal, but when you look at the teams that are in need of a quarterback, you know, Chicago, Washington, uh, New England, the Giants uh, potentially, Atlanta sitting there at number eight, Minnesota, what's the history, You know the, the situation with Kirk Cousins? You've got Denver, Potentially uh, Vegas as well, sitting at 13. A lot of teams, you know, Geno Smith with Seattle. What's what's the situation there? There are a lot of teams that are going to be interested in a quarterback. And so will they pull the trigger in round number one? That's going to be a huge question mark. What are we really going to be seeing there? But, you know, and, and the combine is coming up at the end of the month. That's really where we're going to see a lot of these guys emerge. And really that top 10 is going to start taking a little bit more shape. Obviously, we've got free agency, and that period is also going to give us a better feel for what to expect in round number one. But I wanted to just very quickly go through my top 10, and then we'll jump into what I saw at the Senior Bowl. So number one overall, it, it, you know, obviously the Chicago Bears, and the question really is, is Justin Fields going to be the guy? Do they pass on Caleb Williams? Do they end up trading Justin Fields? Look, here's the deal. Justin Fields, you know, and you look at at what he's been able to accomplish, you know, year four, and you've seen glimpses. You've seen glimpses from him, and but can he put it all together for an entire season? We haven't seen it to this point. What can happen there in Chicago? Ryan Poles, Matt Eberflus, and company can reset the clock with that rookie contract with Caleb Williams. You've got a lot of other needs. You've got to get more receiver help. That offensive line needs to be shored up a little bit. Defensively, you got to get a pass rusher to accompany Montez Sweat as well. I, I just look at this team and I think, you know, Justin Fields, There's there are enough question marks. Really, the question is, is where is Justin Fields going to go? And what type of draft pick are we really going to be talking about here? Um, you know, when I look at, at, at Fields, is he going to get a first rounder? I, I know that ESPN's Adam Schefter came out and said, hey, he's going to garner a, a first round pick potentially. But I, I just don't know that that's going to that's going to happen. Um, is there a team that's really going to be willing to give up a first rounder for Justin Fields? Um, maybe, you know. Um, but I, I think at the end of the day, I look at a team like New England sitting there at number three. You've got the number thirty-four overall pick. That might be enough to get it done. You package some things together, and then you get a quarterback of the future. You're not giving up that number three overall pick. You can use that on Marvin Harrison Jr. You get your number one wideout to go with your quarterback. You know, I think that makes a lot of sense. Chicago sitting there at one. They're going to take Caleb Williams out of USC. Look, this is a guy, Heisman Trophy winner in uh, 2022. And uh, look, Caleb Williams is is a special talent. Uh, when you look at the arm strength, you look at the ability, you know, just the – the different arm slots that he's able to make those throws off platform, uh, you know, the, the torque on the move, being able to throw that football 45, 50 yards down the field. The arm talent is absolutely ridiculous. Um, when you watch him play, uh, he breaks the pocket, but he's still got those eyes down the field and he's looking to make the big play. The problem is, is he doesn't always take what the defense gives him. You've got a layup. You've got an easy first down. Take it. You don't have to always look to throw the football and push it down the field all the time. I think he also struggles with his accuracy down the field outside the numbers from within the pocket. 
that's something that I think he needs to shore up as well. Uh, but I still think Caleb Williams is going to be the guy there at one. There are a lot of things that, look, they do remind you of Patrick Mahomes coming out of Texas Tech. Is he Patrick Mahomes right now in the league? No. But look, Patrick Mahomes went number 10 overall, and we weren't talking about Patrick Mahomes in the breadth that we are today. So a lot of people are trying to find all the negatives with Caleb Williams. And yes, there are some things that he definitely needs to work on. You know, being able to come off of that primary, you see him going through his reads. You see there are a lot of things that I think Caleb Williams is able to fix. Uh, you know, Not always wanting to play hero ball, that's going to be really the biggest thing. But look, when you're playing with a defense that USC had, you know, this was the guy who basically put everything on his shoulders. So I don't know that we necessarily saw everything that, that Caleb Williams could do from within the pocket. Uh, so Caleb going number one overall, that means Washington sitting there at number two. Now the commanders could take Jaden Daniels. I think that's really a big question mark. Is that, you know, does that make sense? This is a guy that loves to push the football down the field uh, and from within the pocket, mind you. Uh, but I still look at it. I think Drake May is the guy. He ran that, uh, that, that air raid with, with Phil Longo. They're at North Carolina. Phil Longo and, and Cliff Kingsbury do have a connection there. And so I think Drake May ends up being that guy there for Washington at number two. I look at New England at number three. And until you know you tell me otherwise, I think a lot of people are saying it's going to be Jaden Daniels coming here at number three overall. And, and I wouldn't disagree except for the fact that I look at, at Alex Van Pelt. Alex Van Pelt is the uh, offensive coordinator and you know the dual threats that, that you get with a guy like like Jaden Daniels that just hasn't fit with what Alex Van Pelt uh, is used to, uh, and, and so I, I just I look at that. It doesn't mean he can't t tweak his offense around the the, the quarterback, but I, I just I look at this and I, I feel like Justin Fields would be more. Uh, of an option there with New England. They could also potentially use that number 34 pick to trade back into round one, potentially go after a guy like Bo Nix later on. I'm looking at, at number three overall, and I ultimately impend, you know, New England could also trade down. I mean, I'm looking at Atlanta sitting there at number eight. They're a team that definitely needs a quarterback. Uh, so I, I think at number three, you know, until anything changes, I'm going with Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, there to New England. I know the quarterback situation, you should really stick with the quarterback until proven otherwise. I'm actually going to roll with Marvin Harrison Jr. there at number three. Number four are the Arizona Cardinals. And I think Kyler Murray, look, he, he petitioned for Paris Johnson Jr. And, and he got him, got that offensive lineman to protect him. Now I think he's going to go after a number one wideout. And the question really is going to be, is it going to be um, Malik Neighbors? Is it going to be Roma Dunze? And when I look at it, look, I think that Malik Neighbors could be in that same conversation with Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson. He looks at like that same type of wide receiver. The explosiveness, the hands, the ability to make you miss in the open field, the physicality after the run as well. I think Arizona sitting there at number four. Could Romo Dunze be the guy as well? I think so. But I think ultimately that pick is going to end up being Malik Neighbors. Chargers at five. This is an interesting pick. Chargers are sitting there, and you've got Jim Harbaugh as, as the, the head coach. You need, a, you need an offensive tackle, you know, potentially. You've got Trey Pipkin sitting there at right tackle. You already have the, the left tackle in Rashawn, uh, Rashawn Slater. Pipkins, you know, he's owed $10 million. Do you really draft a right tackle like Joe Alt? Joe Alt could easily move over to right tackle. Uh, but do you draft Alt with Pipkins there on the roster who's owed $10 million. Uh, Pipkins really is a solid player. I don't know that you necessarily make that move. So then you look at the wide receiver spot. You've got some veterans like, like Keenan Allen, uh, you know, Mike Williams. What's their history or really what's their future going to be like with the, with the Bolts, I should say. And if either of them decide they want to leave, maybe both of them end up uh, in a different uniform. You've got Quentin Johnston, but Quentin Johnston is the one wide receiver from last year's draft class in the first round that hasn't made an impact. And that's really the big concern there. So I, I look at the Chargers. I think there's a good chance you could see Romo Dunze, but it's Jim Harbaugh. Tight ends. Even with J.J. McCarthy this last year, one of his favorite targets 
was absolutely Colston Lovely. So I just I look at, at the Chargers. They need a tight end. Gerald Everett is a free agent. Brock Bowers could do a little bit of everything. He can he can block, mind you. He he's a decent run blocker. You get him on the outside, the mismatches that he creates, his ability to make plays after the catch. I think Bowers goes five, which means sitting there at number six are the New York Giants. The question really is going to be uh, Daniel Jones. Is he still the guy there? I think right now Daniel Jones is still the guy, which means the Giants, you, you, you have to be looking at quality over quantity at some point. You've got a ton of receivers there, but they're lacking a true number one wideout. Romo Dunze would be just what the doctor ordered for Daniel Jones. Uh, you know, really a make you know, a prove it year for for Daniel Jones this year. I think Romo Dunze ends up being the guy there at number six, which takes us to Tennessee at number seven. I think Tennessee. Look, Will Levis took a beating a season ago. They need a tackle. I think Joe Alden is the most consistent tackle, and I think he'll end up being the selection there at number seven overall, which takes us to Atlanta at number eight. Atlanta. Look, you look at the offense and you know the moves that they've made in round number one in, in previous seasons. Kyle Pitts, Drake London, Bijan Robinson. They've got a solid offensive line led by Chris Lindstrom and Jake Matthews. Uh, you know, Caleb McGarry has, has come a long way there at right tackle as well. Um, so really a quarterback away from really competing there in the AFC or, I'm sorry, the NFC South. And so when I look at this group, Desmond Ritter we know is not the answer. Jaden Daniels just feels like the right pick for the Falcons. Uh, you know, that defense, look, you know, Ryan Nielsen, I know he's no longer with, with the team. He's now in Jacksonville as their defensive coordinator. But he was able to take that defense from number 27 overall to, I think, 11th in, in yards. Um, and, and so they've got talent on that defensive side of the football. Could they go edge rusher? Could they go Dallas Turner? Sure. That's, a, that's definitely a possibility. I ultimately think, though, that, that Atlanta needs to get that quarterback, and that's, that's going to end up being uh, Jaden Daniels. And then you look at Chicago there at nine. Could they use a receiver? I think a lot of people have mocked a receiver there. Absolutely. If Romo Doomsday is sitting there on the board, I think Chicago absolutely jumps at the chance to get a number one. Uh, and really, a lot of people are saying, well, isn't DJ Moore a number one? Really, you'd have a 1A, 1B, but then you're giving Caleb Williams a couple of weapons there on the outside. This is a, a deep wide receiver class, um, but Chicago, when you're looking at their, their draft picks, they don't have another pick until number 75 overall. So they've got to make sure that they, that they get a receiver. Even in round number three, they'll get a guy who should be able to contribute. You're going to obviously look to see what the Bears are going to do in free agency as well. I look at nine. If the three receivers are off the board, then at nine, I think they go pass rusher. You need to get somebody to team with Montez Sweat. Dallas Turner is the best pass rusher in this year's draft in terms of the, the bend, the flexibility. I still think that Leatu Latu is the best pure pass rusher in this year's draft. I think he's a guy that, to me, uh, could end up being the best in the bunch when it's all said and done. Uh, he's not as bendy. He's not as, as twitchy as, as Dallas Turner. Uh, I think Dallas Turner probably plays the run a little bit better. And, uh, you know, could Atlanta fool everybody and go Jared Verse? I think there's a possibility. But I think at the end of the day, Dallas Turner ends up being that guy. And, uh, look, they get an edge rusher to team with Montez Sweat. I think that's definitely uh, a great area of focus for them. Which then takes us to the New York Jets. Number 10 overall, offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. Look, you know, Elijah Vera Tucker's battled injuries. Kai Becton has battled injuries. I I'm looking at this group. Could they go Olu Fashanu? I think that's definitely a possibility. I think Olu Fashanu is, it, you know, he's got the athleticism. He's probably the most athletic offensive tackle in this year's draft. Apologies to, to Tyler Guyton. I know a lot of people have talked about him, you know, that conversion from uh, from H-back. Look, you know, Joe Alt was a converted tight end as well, but Olu Fashanu, especially when you watch him with those those kick slides, I mean, he's just so quick out of his stance. It's absolutely ridiculous how, how quick he's able to get back there. But uh, I look at it, and I think, you know, it, it makes sense to me that Taliese Fuaga, you want a right tackle who's going to be able to hold up, uh, you know, against both, you know, bull rush, 
against the speed rush, be able to run behind him. He's going to do it all for you. You saw it at the Senior Bowl. He was one of the guys that really stood out to me. Uh, just absolutely dominant, physical, uh, powerful, power in his hands. And, and so I look at the, the, the Jets, and right now I think Buaga has a little bit of an edge. I still am a big fan of Fashanu. I think it could also be Fashanu there. But you know, if you're looking at especially for a true right tackle, then I think that pick has to end up being Fuaga at the end of the day. So those are my top 10 picks as of right now. Uh, I haven't quite put together my first uh, mock draft. I usually wait until the end of the season. So obviously the Super Bowl is coming up. Uh, this recording is taking place uh, the evening prior to the draft. So you know, February 10th. Uh, so after that, you'll see my first mock draft hit my website. We'll be talking about it here on the podcast as well. So I'll go through all 32 picks. I may even throw a couple of picks in round two because there are some guys that could very well find themselves in round one that right now I have just outside the first round. So we'll get to talk about those guys as well. So that's kind of where we're at right now in terms of the mock drafts. So when I look at the Senior Bowl, let's go ahead and transition to that. And uh, there are some names that absolutely stood out. And if you've listened to my podcast at all, you know that I'm a big fan of Quinion Mitchell. Quinion Mitchell, uh, he, he burst onto the scene for me, um, I, I really want to say it was it was last year that uh, watching some of the Mac football, you know, look, he's six foot, 197, and the playmaking ability was really what, what jumped off the charts. And... Uh, you know, had the five interceptions, 19 pass breakups. Two of those five interceptions he took back to the house. Now, this is a guy, you know, he follows it up. Uh, only one interception, but 18 pass breakups. You see the ball skills. 45 total pass breakups in his career, six interceptions. Also, seven and a half tackles for loss. A guy that's willing to come up and, and, and hit you, play around the line of scrimmage when, when you need to against the run. Um, but Quinion Mitchell primarily played in, in off coverage and, and in zone. So you wanted to see, could he match up in, in press man? And he, he absolutely did that. This is a guy that was showing uh, the, the physicality at the line. You know, he, he wasn't afraid to, to mix it up, to jam receivers, uh, look to try to reroute at any chance that he got. Um, he was getting over the top of several routes you watched his ability to drive on the football when he wasn't off coverage, and he just puts himself in a position to make a play on the football. And that's one of the things that you know the corner, the ex, the great corners, put themselves in a position to make a play. So even if you're in trail technique, you're putting yourself in a way, in a position where you know that you can you can make up that ground. And you can easily get your hand in there to end up making a play on the football. Uh, attacks the, the ball at the catch point very well. To me, Quinion Mitchell is the guy that's going to be a, a first rounder. I think there's no doubt about that. I look at the first round. I think CB1 is going to be uh, Terion Arnold, I believe. But I look at CB2. To me, it's Quinion, Quinion Mitchell. And I don't think it's, it's even close. I look at a team like Indianapolis. They could use a corner. I look at uh, Jacksonville at 17. They could use a corner. I think he can go as high as either of those teams. I'm looking at Philly at 22 as a possibility as well. Uh, you know, even the Rams at 19, they need a corner there on the outside. Uh, and so I just, I don't see him dropping below uh, the Eagles there at 22. I really don't. I think this is a guy that's definitely helped himself. And just watch what happens with the draft chatter after the combine. I think... Quinion Mitchell's a guy that's just going to continue to see his stock continue to rise. Um, another absolute standout had to be Darius Robinson, right? Darius Robinson, my lord, this was a guy that was absolutely, I mean, you watch the physicality, but then you also watch the speed. Um, you know, just so quick off the ball. I mean, you watch some of his film going up against uh, Javon Foster teammate there at Mizzou and you know quick jab step to the outside and the arm over he, he likes to use the rip move as well but the handwork and then the explosiveness to get up the field you know I watched him against uh you know Bo Limmer 
Um, wins with quickness up the field as, a, as an in interior rusher. Um, tried to work back inside. Limmer was able to ultimately recover, keep him square. But this was a guy that was repeatedly beating guys on the outside, repeatedly beating guys on the inside with quickness, with power. And to me, I look at him, could he be like a strong side end on uh, you know the first and second downs and then kick inside uh, on third down? You know, there's the versatility there. Could he potentially even play a five technique in a 34 defense? I, I think that there's a lot to like about Darius Robinson. And uh, he's a guy to me that's continuing to move up that draft board into not only the round one consideration, but you know you look at at, uh, at different teams in there. I'm looking at Baltimore at number 30. I think it makes a lot of sense there. Um, you know, even even a team like Houston, you know, Houston could also go for you know potentially Chop Robinson, um, but I, I look at Darius Robinson, and you know you put you team him with a guy like D'Amico Ryan's. D'Amico, when he played with the 49ers, had some bigger defensive ends playing in front of him. I look at Darius Robinson; that could potentially be a fit there as well at number 23 overall. Um, just a, a player who's, you know, he, there's a lot to like there. He was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, so definitely a guy that should be on every team's radar. There is no doubt about that. Um, other other guys that, that definitely impressed, Roman Wilson out of Michigan, a guy that's, you know, definitely moved into that second round consideration. The separation on his routes were absolutely ridiculous. Uh, you know, <laughs> Ran this post route. I swear he had like 10 yards of separation. He gets vertical, kind of leans to the outside. Corner has that outside leverage and snaps it back to the inside and just runs away from the DB. Hands catching for days. Uh, the the st stop and start is what was ridiculous. Uh, ran this vertical um, and just double move, stop, start, and he was just absolutely gone. Brendan Rice out of USC, and look, I'll admit when I'm wrong. Brendan Rice, for me, I was worried about the the contested catch rate, right? Only 25% this last season. Did only have two drops, improved from, I think, four the season prior. But it's really that, that con contested catch rate. You watched him, and time and time again, guys were trying to be physical with him, and he was out physicaling these guys, showing that he can make, you know be a hands catcher, showing that he can work through the, the grabbiness, uh, you know, Johnny Dixon kept wanting to grab him over and over and over again. He's able to fight through that and, and make a catch. Uh, and then you're going against uh, Kyrie Jackson. There, there were plenty of plays where he runs those slant. There was one where he actually let the ball kind of travel past his body and he extends out for that football and makes a real difficult catch. You watch him with the whip route, plants, get back outside. So you saw the athleticism and the shiftiness to go along with the size and the power. Um, and so Brendan Rice, to me, is a guy that's definitely solidified his status uh, in the first two days of the draft. Uh, route runners, good Lord. Ricky Pearsall, good route runner, easy separation, uh, tremendous hands catch, you know, catcher. I mean, remember that, that catch against Marshall. Um, right hand. Inside hand kind of turns his, you know, backhands the ball, uh, just down down the seam, uh, and he caught the tail end of the ball as he's backhanding it, which was absolutely ridiculous. Um, Lab McConkey, man, he made Bo uh, Bo Braid, the the safety out of Maryland, just look absolutely silly. He had outside leverage, shakes him to, you know, basically allow him to bite to the inside, uses that arm over, gets to the outside there, and then actually full extension for the diving catch. I mean. To me, Lab McConkie is, is is definitely a top 10 receiver in this year's draft because of that route running ability. He'll be a guy that I think is going to, to look really really solid at the next level for sure. Uh, I think there's no doubt about that. Javon Baker ha had some some nice nice plays. Uh, a guy that definitely is going to be physical. He's a guy that's going to look to you know, high point the football. Definitely a, a, a leaper and a guy that's going to pluck the ball out of the air. Uh, you know, Devontae Walker had some really nice reps, battled some drops there at the Senior Bowl at times, but uh, man, he the speed, his you know just easy speed, easy to to separate. You know, so I thought he he looked really solid. Uh, Malachi Corley is a lot of fun to watch. Uh, God, I mean, just the physicality and and some of the nuance to his route running. 
Um, you know, he, he everyone talks about it because of the build as another Debo Samuel. I think there's more nuance to his game that kind of says, yeah, I, I could definitely see that, see that happening for sure. Jamari Thrash out of Louisville, another guy that looked really solid. Um, you know, you saw his ability to uh, what uh, against Carlton Johnson. Gets vertical at the stem, shows a quick plant jab inside, gets vertical to run away from him, throws him with that move to the inside, and uh, then takes off to the outside, catches right over his shoulder for an easy touchdown. Uh, just absolutely, you know, he's one of those guys that I wanted to see, see him continue to make those plays down the field. He was able to do that. Xavier Leggett, uh, you know, he struggled at times. Um, you know, you watched him against Jarvis Brownlee uh, Jr. out of Louisville, a guy that I thought looked really solid. You know, he wasn't able to separate on a couple of the routes, but I still think, you know, he, he's such an easy mover. He battled through his through some injuries, and, and so that's where things kind of slowed up a little bit for him. But uh, still, a guy that was was uh, you know was fighting through, and you know you could see you know some really good effort there from him. Jarvis Brownlee Jr., I just mentioned him, uh, the aforementioned uh, Louisville Cardinal. Uh, press coverage, you know, this guy's feisty, man. Um, turns and runs with the receiver, maintains contact, inside leverage, looks over you know, for the football. You see that look and lean, um, excellent coverage on the outside. I thought Cam Hart had some nice, uh, some real nice reps um, against Devontae Walker. Stayed square at the line, gets his hands on him early, mirrors them on the curl route, plants with the receiver, really runs the route better than than Walker. Zero separation, undercuts the route for the pick. Uh, you know, you watch that, you wonder, you know, at times, you know, with Devontae Walker and the route running ability, can he sink those hips on a consistent basis? You worry about that at times. Uh, Max Melton had an exceptional rep against uh, Javon Baker. Patient. Uh, you saw Baker kind of stutter versus off coverage. You stay square to Baker, and he runs a slant, drives on the football, gets to the inside, knocks it away. Just the patience and, and understanding, you know, in off coverage, that outside leverage, being able to drive on the ball, get there in a hurry, and make a play on the football. I thought was uh, was textbook there as well. So those were some of the corners that that kind of stood out for me. Um, Quarterbacks, I think they struggled a bit. Um, you know, Bo, Bo Nix, Michael Penix Jr. ultimately uh, stepped up. You, you saw Bo Nix, you know, sliding, buying time, you know, throwing on the move a little bit. Uh, you know, you, you saw the timing as well uh, on a lot of his routes. There was a blitz off the edge by by Latu as a free rusher. You saw him understand where to go with the football. Hot route to the tight end Theo Johnson in the flat. Um, you know, Michael Penix Jr. You know, he struggled at times. You can absolutely see the arm strength, which is is there for sure. Uh, but the ball was out late at times. Uh, again, you know, he needs to work on touch. I think that's something that definitely uh, stood out to me. Um, I mentioned Theo Johnson in terms of the tight ends. He was probably the best tight end there. Um, you know, a, a guy that was just he. Th- he was winning with his his routes. Uh, went up against Josh Proctor. Gets to the top of his routes. You know, after widening off the line of scrimmage, gets to the top of the route. Comes back to the inside. Easy catch there uh, against Sione Vaki. Stutter, wiggle at the top of his route. Arm over versus Vaki. Gets to the inside. Makes an easy catch for a touchdown. Uh, you know, able to separate from Kitano Ladat. I mean, really, none of the safeties were were able to stay with Theo Johnson. That was something that I think was definitely impressive. Uh, you know, Ben Sinnott, you know, I, I, there was a really nice rep uh, on, an, on an out route. Got a good push there at the top of his route. Ends up breaking out. Uh, lost his balance a little bit. Was still able to, to haul in the catch, maintain it to the ground. Uh, you know, Jared Wiley out of TCU. Excellent size. I mean, he's 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, 260 pounds. Um, pretty easy mover, I thought. You know, he was a guy for a guy his size. Uh, you know, plucked the ball out with one hand. Uh, I think Wiley's one of those guys that's going to surprise some people. Uh, you know, you look at the size and you worry. You know, can he move? Oh yeah, this dude can move just fine. You know, he can definitely sink his hips a little bit. You know, he's also a decent blocker. Um, he's going to be one of the better tight ends in this draft. Uh, 
Marshawn Lloyd at the running back position, I thought looked uh, exceptional as a, as a route runner, as a receiver. Um, had an excellent release against uh, J.D. Bertrand. Uh, stutter, widens the route to the outside, beats him deep, tracked it well over his shoulder. Um, quick feet on the whip route. Um, went up against Peyton Wilson in the red zone. Outside release, kept Wilson widened. Uh, snaps it to the outside to separate from him and drive it to the pylon, just drop the football. I think that's really the biggest concern with Lloyd is making sure he can haul that football in. One guy who has no problem hauling in the football is Dylan Lauby out of, out of uh, New Hampshire. He showed that he uh, he belongs. 47 touchdowns, an FCS All-American. This dude, you watched him against Cam Hart uh, in the slot and kind of had this foot drag, head fake inside, works back outside, um, runs that out route, makes the catch there for a 14-yard gain, goes out at the one. Is he a slot receiver? Is he a running back? I think he's kind of one of those guys that you can plug in in a lot of different roles. Um, you know, Danny Woodhead is really the comparison that he's getting. You know, in a lot of respects because you know a, a guy that's coming out of a an FCS program um, and kind of a smaller guy. That's ultimately where that that comparison is going. And I think it makes a lot of sense. So I think he has that versatility to play in a, you know, a lot of different roles. So he was a guy that I thought definitely impressed there at that running back position. Now the offensive tackles, I mentioned Taliesi Fulaga. Look, he went up against Leatu Latu and was patient, quick out of his stance, the lateral agility to beat him inside, gets his hands on him early, leans into him, squats down, and then basically that torque to just turn and dump him always stayed square that was the thing that was absolutely ridiculous just so easy with this movement laterally whether it's going inside outside mirroring guys uh, you know able to stay square as they run the arc and take them away from the quarterback i thought that was something that definitely stood out um kingsley sua mataya um you know I, I thought there were reps where he looked good but you know the pad level to me i thought was way too high you know lots of a lot of times were, were dipping, getting underneath him, hands were getting slapped, um, beaten off the ball by Adisa Isaac, who got straight to the quarterback, uh, so I thought, you know, Matia, Mataya, you know, look, is he a guy that's going to end up coming off the board in round number one? I don't see enough there. I think there's a, there's the athleticism. He can be physical in the running game. I still think that there's a, he, he's more of a project for me. I think he's a guy that ultimately should come off the board in round two. I thought Christian Jones out of Texas looked very strong at the point of attack. Um, wide base, good kick slide. Uh, you know, when, when the ends tried to to, stay, to work back inside, he was able to stay square, able to overpower them. You know, the power was something that I think definitely was on display there with Christian Jones. He still struggles at times with those edge rushers coming off the edge. Uh, you know, we saw that in the uh, in the college football playoff. Braylon Trice went against him. He struggled at times with that, that quickness coming off the football. Uh, but I think Christian Jones was a guy that definitely impressed, definitely you know, showed, hey, he does have that lateral agility. Uh, Javon Foster, there was a play against Justin Aboigby, just so strong with his hands. Latches onto him. He tries to win with an arm over, never lets go of him, basically keeps him square. The, the grip strength is absolutely ridiculous with, with Javon Foster. He's not the quickest with this kick slide. That's not really his jam. His his game is all about the, the strength, the power, uh, you know, the, the leverage. That's really where you're going to see him win. And I think that was really on display there at the Senior Bowl. You know, really what you saw in the film was what you got there at the, at the Senior Bowl. Um, Roger Rosengarten, I've been a big fan of his. He gets too, the pad level gets too high at times. He, he went against Marshawn Nealand, good kick slide, but was late with his hands. Allowed him to kind of dip underneath that pad level and turn the corner, um, but look, you got him in that in the uh, the 11 on 11, and this physical down block on the D tackle to secure the backside, allowing Dylan Lowby to bounce his run back to the outside, you know, in that direction. Um, you know, able to kick Brandon Dorless on the outside on a run play as well. You see the athleticism. He struggled, look, against Michigan, he struggled with speed. You know, he was definitely having a hard time there against both, uh, you know, 
Braden McGregor and uh, Jalen Harrell, but I still think Roger Rosengarten has that, that starter potential there at that right tackle position. He'll be a nice get for anybody uh, looking for uh, a guy like you know like him at that right tackle position um, on day three. Uh, Tyler Guyton, I kind of buried the lead. Tyler Guyton was a guy that uh, you saw the athleticism, you saw the ease with the movement, the athleticism. He was a guy that was continually keeping guys square. I did see one rep against Nelson Caesar that bothered me. He only overset back to the outs, you know, to the outside. Uh, was caught lunging, and Caesar made this really nice spin move back to the inside to win the rep. But ultimately, Guyton. Um, the power in his hands, you saw that. You saw the athleticism on display. He's a guy that I think has definitely solidified his status as a top 25 pick. Uh, Jordan Morgan, um, look, he's a guy that I think is all the way back from his ACL. Is he a, a tackler? Is he a guard? Is a question mark. He was driven into the backfield by Austin Booker, just right into Sam Hartman. So that's something that I think is definitely going to be uh, – be watched um, you know is his ability to anchor you know and some of the quickness some of the lateral agility at times um, at the center position I think it was all about JPJ uh, Jackson Powers Johnson dominant I think that's really the the one word that describes what he was able to accomplish there you saw him quick out of his stance. This was a guy that could climb to the second level with ease, but then you saw the physicality. You saw the, his ability to win with leverage, to keep the defensive tackle square, uh, and then the ability to finish. I mean, the torque, his ability to stay low and just drive guys into the ground. Um, absolutely physical. To me, he's a, a center that belongs in the first round conversation. I think that's something that was, was evident. Uh, by the time the Senior Bowl was done. Edge rushers, uh, Leatu Latu ended up having to leave with the with leg injury. 127 pressures in the last two seasons, according to Pro Football Focus. I mean, I think that's something that speaks for itself. Uh, but you watched, you know, he starts outside, slapping an arm over to easily beat uh, Suomatea to, to the inside. Speed rush off the edge, again, slap and rip, bends underneath, all speed. Um, that was something that you wanted to see a little bit more control from him, set a little bit firmer edge and not allow Suomatia to uh, to kind of knock him off of his, his route a little bit. He still beat him, but it, it wasn't nearly as clean. But uh, there's another rep against poor, poor Kingsley again. Showed outside, quick stutter, crossed the face with an arm over to beat him back to the inside. Beat that left, that, that inside hand, I'm sorry, it was the right hand, inside hand trying to get in on his hip and he just ran right by it uh, Adisa Isaac showing the a tremendous burst coming off the edge uh, I saw a push pull against uh, Ladarius Henderson uh, and then a rip move easily got by him to get to the quarterback speed rushes again you know that, that speed rush against Sue and Mattia just left him grasping for air um, I thought that was definitely impressive Austin Booker was another guy. Look, you know, he had the one year there at Kansas um, after, what was it, Minnesota, I want to say, and uh, redshirt sophomore. But, man, that bull rush that I mentioned earlier got leverage on Jordan Morgan, the power to drive him right back into the quarterback, uh, was able to also set up the left tackle, widening, and then a quick spin move across the face, get inside pressure on the quarterback. I thought Brandon Dorless um, – you know, use some use those long arms against the right tackle. I think it was actually Kingsley um, playing right tackle. Set a strong edge there, forced the running back to cut it back inside, right into the linebacker uh, who was able to drop him there. Uh, bull rush with a quick slap and then a rip to beat the, the left guard, Isaiah Adams. Got to push up the field to ultimately flush Michael Penix Jr. from the pocket. Um, so I thought he, he had some nice reps there for sure. Uh, Nelson Caesar. You uh, lined up at, at defensive tackle, attacked Christian Haynes, won with with some uh, some leverage there. Uh, I talked about the spin move against Tyler Guyton as well, um, so I, I thought there was definitely some some nice reps there from Caesar. Um, and then can we talk about the, the craziness that is Marshawn Nealon, the power? This dude is going to come in and hit you and, and be physical, but then Roger Rosengarten is expecting that, and then he has this nice dip and rip to win right there at the point of attack. Uh, he's a guy to me that can win in a lot of different ways. 
very intriguing. A guy that I think is going to come off the board in round number two. Um, D tackles. Dwayne Carter, one of the best reps of the day against Tanner Bordellini. Strikes his chest. Powerful hands. Wins with the bull rush. Gets underneath that pad level. Gets him on his heels. Drives him right into the ground. Uh, Gabe Hall from Baylor. A guy that not many people have really talked about, but uh, had a nice push-pull to, and then a swim move uh, to beat the, the right guard, uh, Sata Oalaumea, off the football. Um, quick move to the outside with a quick win against another right guard. Uh, showed the ability to bend. Uh, beats the cutoff block. Quick down the line to pursue the running back. Uh, you know, another thing that was really impressive. Uh, you know, Devondre Sweat, you see the, you know, he, I mean, he's a mountain of a man. You know, he, he didn't weigh in there, but, you know, he's probably right still around 350, 360. Um, you see the athleticism. The athleticism is absolutely there. But I saw also saw a rep against Layden Robinson, uh, the guard there from Texas A&M. Good punch at the point of attack, but stalls out, loses momentum. Um, you know, I thought Jaden Crumity of Mississippi State, a lot of the same thing, just kind of um, – lost some of that momentum going. Uh, Marcus Harris went up against uh, Brandon Coleman, looked to bull rush, started to drive him back, was trying to get low, feet not underneath him, and basically took himself to the ground. Uh, but McKinley Jackson out of Texas A&M showed, you know, showed out really well there, the nose tackle, a guy that I think has a chance to be a third rounder. Uh, going up against Christian Haynes, Haynes was playing the center position, wins early, quick hands, inside, uh, forces those hands obviously outside by Haynes easily drives him back into the quarterback so that was something that I thought was definitely impressive there at the D tackle spot uh, when we talk about uh, guards uh, Christian Haynes I thought you know there were some times where he was able to drop anchor handle some bull rushes um, offense at the center spot besides JPJ I thought Bo Limmer showed the physicality there off off the off the ball you really like to see that uh, Tanner Bordellini, look, you know, yes, he, he lost leverage there against Dwayne Carter, but he still showed some nice physicality there as well and the ability to anchor at the point of attack. Um, so those were a couple of other guys that stood out there at that center spot. Uh, and then the linebackers. Cedric Gray. When, when the running backs were crossing his face on the inside, was able to definitely make a play on those footballs and would drive on the ball, get his hand in, be able to jump the route a little bit and, and make a play. Uh, when he was asked to, you know, basically those outside releases, those outside, uh, you know, the out routes and such, when they're running away from him, he, he just wasn't able to stay, you know, to stay with them, with the running backs, wasn't able to stay to to keep pace with them. Um, you know, he lined up to the left on, on another play. Uh, the right linebacker, which was uh, Peyton Wilson, shoots the hole, shoots the gap, forces the running backs to, to bounce it outside, which allowed Gray to easily slide, scrape over the top, and uh, drop that running back there on the outside. Uh, Jalex Hunt out of Houston Baptist was an interesting cat. Uh, watched him against Delmar Glaze, got underneath Glaze, and was able to drive him, walk him all the way back. Uh, you know, I look at Glaze, I still think Glaze is going to end up being a, a guard. I just I, I don't know that he can handle that that uh, uh, that tackle spot. Uh, John Trey Hunter showed really nice uh, speed, athleticism to close on on a lot of run plays to the outside. But Peyton Wilson still is my guy at the linebacker spot. Excellent size, at 6'4", 240. He, he's he's fast. He's instinctive. He can drop into coverage. Um, going against Theo Wilson, uh, Theo Johnson, excuse me, allowed the quarterback quarterback's eyes to take him to the football ultimately able to break that that football up over the middle fills holes coming downhill and look this guy you know they're talking about it on the broadcast um, excellent lacrosse player um, an elite wrestler as well was a 2017 uh, North Carolina State High School wrestling champ um, yeah Peyton Wilson to me if it hadn't been for all the injury talk we'd be talking about him as a potential first rounder just like Jack Campbell ended up being uh, number 18 overall going off there to the Lions. Um, I, I thought uh, Malik Mustafa had a couple of nice reps there from Wake Forest going up against Jaquan Jackson, who had a nice day. I think Jaquan Jackson is looking at it as a day three slot receiver. 
but Mustafa, look, you know, he, he tried to, you know, Jax tried to run this return route in this, from the slot. Patient on the route, back pedals, hits the break to, to, uh, to, to mirror the wide receiver, plants two yards off the receiver, cuts, you know, as he's cutting it back to the outside, drives on the route, undercuts it, gets a hand in to break up the pass. Uh, you could tell that Sione Vaki still trying to learn that safety spot because he started out as a running back, he could be a power runner, um, and you saw his ability to run routes, but uh, was burned time and time again uh, trying to cover those tight ends. I thought Cole Bishop did a good job staying with the tight ends, uh, just needs to do a better job of, of locating the football to potentially make a play on the ball. Uh, Evan Williams of, of Oregon uh, against Brevin uh, Stan Ford. Uh, there's an out and up in the red zone, able to stay with the tight end, uh, attacks the ball at the catch point, ultimately breaks up the play. Uh, so, you know, those were some of the standouts that I saw at the Senior Bowl. When I talk about guys that, that you know, first round quality guys, uh, obviously those quarterbacks, they struggled a little bit. That's why I think there is a drop off between the first three and then the next set of quarterbacks. I think Bo Nix and, and Michael Penix Jr., they, they redeemed themselves on day number three. You know, J.J. McCarthy's definitely closing the gap, though, because you know, it's one of those things to where uh, you know people are going in, they're studying more film on J.J. McCarthy. I need to do more of the same. Uh, you know, he has the potential you know, because you see the flashes, but the consistency is really the main thing with with J.J. McCarthy more than anything else. He makes really good decisions, um, you know, but handling pressure. You know, I've watched, there are a couple of clips where uh, he did a pretty good job manipulating the pocket, but as he gets outside trying to vacate the pocket, uh, you know, I look at all three of those quarterbacks and I think, you know, that's what separates that top tier from that second group of, of quarterbacks. Um, but the guys that, that outside of that quarterback position that I, I look at as potential first rounders, I think Devontae Walker has a chance because of that speed. I think ultimately he belongs in round two. Um, I think Xavier Leggett has a chance to, to be a first round wide receiver potentially there to the Chiefs, kind of in that range. Um, you know, I think guys like Malachi Corley showcased his ability to be a uh, you know, a, a, a day two pick. Same with with Roman Wilson. I don't think Wilson's going to end up creeping into round one. But uh, you know, Brendan Rice day two, Javon Baker I think would probably be an early day three candidate right now. Um, Theo Johnson has definitely improved his draft stock. I think he'll go on day two. Uh, but Taliesi Fuaga to me, you know, he's looking more and more like a potential top ten pick. Uh, you know, in, in my estimation. Um, you know, Tyler Guyton, another guy that's going to come off the board in round one, that's for sure. Um, you know, I, I think Patrick Paul is, is somebody that's interesting. Uh, Kingsley Suomatia, a um, couple of guys that are going to come off the board in round number two. Um, Roger Rosengarten has a chance to be around three, round four, somewhere around there. Uh, JPJ, first rounder in my book. Good Lord. Uh just absolutely dominant. I still think Leatu Latu is a first rounder. You saw he was still the, the class of the edge rushers. Uh, I think Marshawn Nealon is going to be a second rounder. Adisa Isaac will be a, a day two pick as well. Darius Robinson definitely moved into the first round conversation. Uh, Brandon Dorless will be a day two pick for sure. I think Austin Booker, intriguing enough to be to get a flyer there on, on day number two. Uh, Devondre Sweat, I don't think it's going to be a first rounder. I think he'll end up being uh, early second, but we'll see what he does in terms of the times. Peyton Wilson's a second rounder, although, you know, again, the injuries, I, depending on what the medicals check out, he could potentially fall further. Uh, but man, whoever gets him, they're getting an absolute stud. Uh, at the cornerback spot, we know Quinion Mitchell is going to be a first rounder. I think there's no question about that. He's my uh, CB2 right now. Uh, Jarvis Brownlee is definitely an interesting dude now. Uh, you know, day two candidate for sure. Kaelin King was up and down. He was allowing some free releases to Devontae Walker. Uh, you know, he allowed a free re release on one play um, to the outside. Uh, whiffed on a jam on another play. Um, but then there was, you know, he showed some other flashes that made you turn your head and go, "Oh, that's interesting." 
Uh, is he a day two guy? He'll probably be a day two. Carlton Johnson will be a guy on day three that's going to be an interesting interesting cat, though. Uh, you saw really nice ball skills, his ability to close on the ball and make a play. Max Melton, I think, could end up being a day two pick. Uh, saw a lot to like there. Uh, you know, Kyrie Jackson out of Oregon. You know, tremendous length for the position. Um, I, I didn't mention him, but Javon Bullard there at the, the safety, probably the class of the safety group uh, with his ability to cover at, at that safety position. But, you know, I, I look at the safety spot and I, you know, Cooper DeGene, is he a corner? Is he a safety? He's a good football player. He'll be a first rounder. After that, you know, I think maybe Kitchens, you know, he's probably, you know, he's a round two guy. I think Tyler Newman's going to be a round two guy. But uh, there aren't a ton of safeties to get you know too excited about uh, in the first two rounds of the draft or first two days of the draft. I think Kalen Bullock out of USC. You're looking for those guys who can be exceptional as center fielders. Bullock will end up being that guy. But you know, looking at the safeties that were at the Senior Bowl, there weren't a ton of guys that really jumped out. I thought Evan Williams helped himself. I thought Cole Bishop helped himself in coverage. Uh, you know, so there were some guys that, that did help themselves. I thought Tyke Smith as well uh, put it, put together some, some solid reps. Uh, so definitely uh, some guys that helped their draft stock overall at the Senior Bowl. Uh, what we're going to have next up is going to be the, the Combine. Combine is going to be held really at the end of February, beginning of March. And, uh, you know, again, over 300 players that will be invited. We're going to take a look at the list. We're going to talk about everybody who gets that invite. So it'll be over the course of a couple of podcasts. But we'll be talking about who we should be watching out for. Who are the guys that, uh, you know, are basically you're just going to be checking off the list you know, from an athleticism standpoint, from a power standpoint. Who are the guys that, you know, need to have a big day there? Who are we expecting to get a big day out of? Guys like Quinion Mitchell, uh, who's running in that 3-3, three, three, or excuse me, that 4-3 range. Uh, you know, when you look at a guy like J.J. McCarthy, a lot of people think he may run in that 4-5. I heard somebody even saying a 4-4. Four, four. Uh, you know, that athleticism is something that, you know, if he can separate himself from guys like Bo Nix, Michael Penix Jr. with that athleticism, then he really starts creeping up draft boards. If I'm Denver sitting there at number 12 and I'm Sean Payton and clearly they're, they're moving on from Russell Wilson. You know, speaking of, you know, if teams are looking for a quarterback, maybe they get on the phone, they talk to, to Denver about potentially getting a guy like Russell Wilson on the roster. Um, you know, it probably won't happen this year, but uh, I think Russell Wilson's days in Denver are numbered. And so I look at it, and they're going to need a quarterback. Could they go after Justin Fields? Could they go after a guy like Kirk Cousins? Um, are there other quarterbacks that they could potentially go after? I think that's that's possible. But I look at, at Sean Payton and, and J.J. McCarthy, and it just feels like you know, that makes way too much sense. So I, I definitely think that's going to be a, a possibility to keep an eye on um, because I think teams are going to overdraft at that quarterback position. Um, you know, even you look at the, the draft where Kenny Pickett was the only quarterback going, coming off the board in round one. Um, the question really there was, is there a quarterback that truly is a first round pick? Kenny Pickett played well in college, but was he going to be uh, a top flight quarterback at the next level? I think there were definitely the, the question marks were there. Uh, but Pittsburgh, I think, felt pressure to get a quarterback. And ultimately, they ended up reaching a little bit there with with Kenny Pickett. Um, so could we see that again this year with all the teams that are looking for a quarterback? Absolutely. Wouldn't surprise me if we see six quarterbacks come off the board in round one. At the same time, though, think about last year's draft. Think about the quarterbacks that were there. Obviously, the, the hype around this year is much better than last year's draft. And I think this is probably why uh, you know, we didn't see as many quarterbacks taken that high but you saw the three quarterbacks go off the board in round one Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson and then round two was where you saw Will Levis come off the board. Could we see anything like that? You know it's always a possibility. I think you know, you've got that drop off after the top three. 
Could we see any of those quarterbacks fall to round two? I think right now, Penix Jr., because of the injuries, that's where it's most likely. But is J.J. McCarthy going to fall out of round one? Probably not. I, I just... Michigan was so built about the run. You think about Jim Harbaugh, quarterbacks, and you know J.J. McCarthy, the athleticism. There were plays that he was making out there. He just wasn't asked to do it a ton. Can he do it? Can he do it at the next level? That's going to be the biggest question mark. It's more of a projection than anything else. If he gets in with a quarterback coach like Sean Payton, quarterback guru, then I think there's he stands a much better chance of succeeding. Bo Nix, you know, I, I think it's going to depend on on the offense there as well. But I think there's a good chance that we'd see Bo Nix come off the board in round one. Uh, you know, he understands where to go with the football. He understands his physical limitations. He doesn't have a huge arm. He's got a good arm. Um, you know, he, he's his accuracy on the move. Uh, I think he struggles at times there, um, but. Look, the other thing that you have to consider is is Bo Nix, Michael Penix Jr. There are six-year seniors. They're older quarterbacks than some of these other guys. That's why J.J. McCarthy could be a lot more appealing. When he was asked to to make a play, he made the right decision. And so that's where I'm kind of almost talking myself into potentially moving J.J. McCarthy back up because there are a lot of things to like with his game. It's just how consistent can he really be And that's really what I'm wrestling with right now. And really, in the playoffs, I didn't see enough from him to absolutely say, you know what, here's a guy that is going to be a stud. Absolutely, no doubt about it. Uh, I I just, I don't see enough there from him to definitively feel confident in saying that. That said, because he has those traits, because there's that potential, the right team could end up taking him. It's the same thing with Patrick Mahomes. You look at a guy like Patrick Mahomes, and that year, you know, a lot of coaches were taking their offense and trying to take the quarterback and mold them to fit their their offense. Andy Reid was different. He really tweaked his offense to fit the skill set of his quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. Not every team was doing that. Not every team would be willing to do that. So that's really what the difference is. And I think when you look at a guy like J.J. McCarthy, it's going to come down to the right fit. That's bottom line. And a lot of times that's really the way it's going to be for any quarterback. Bryce Young, Carolina, C.J. Stroud steps in there in Houston. Much different outcomes based on the different situations. You can really do that every year looking at all the quarterback spots. You look at a guy like you know Baker Mayfield going to Cleveland, really kind of got a raw deal there. Sam Darnold um, going to the Jets, we know what happened there. Uh, and then you've got Josh Allen and the situation that he fell into there with the Bills, right? And then after him, uh, you, know, you have Josh Rosen, things didn't work out there. But then Lamar Jackson going to the Ravens. I mean, good Lord, you want to talk about the right fit. You think, you know, when we are in this same position next year, which quarterbacks are we talking about making that leap? Is Caleb Williams going to have enough around him? Is Ryan Poles going to put enough around him to allow him to succeed? Or are we going to be talking about the, the marriage of Drake May and Cliff Kingsbury really taking off there in Washington? You know, kind of like we saw Sam Howell take some strides, but then all those interceptions caught up with him. Um, you know, what's going to happen there? And then Jaden Daniels, he's got a lot around him there in Atlanta. If that ultimately comes to fruition, man, he's got the weapons. You think about a guy like Josh Allen when when he fell to the Bills. There were the weapons, and then he ends up having a a great career there in Buffalo. Same thing could potentially happen there with with Jaden Daniels. So it obviously is going to depend a lot on where these guys come off the board and the, the teams and the personnel that's placed around them and that's what makes this fun that's what makes all this projection and and the draft and studying the draft and trying to figure out where these guys are going to come off the board that's what makes all of this fun and that's why i continue to do this year after year because i just enjoy doing this i i've done it for a number of years i started when i was in school um, 
and I've been putting together mock drafts each and every year after that, trying to study the draft, take a look at where guys are coming off the board, trying to figure out the right fits for the right personnel, and I just enjoy doing it. I hope you've enjoyed listening to me as I've started breaking some of this stuff down. We'll continue to do that. Uh, you know, And really, as we start getting closer and closer to the draft, we'll have podcasts out each and every week, sometimes even multiple times a week. Um, it's going to be a, a long ride to that draft there at the end of April, but it's going to be a fun ride, and I hope you will take that ride with me so until next time, everyone, for ReadyForTheDraft.com, this has been the Ready For The Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Take care, everyone. Enjoy your time. Get ready for the combine in a couple of weeks. And until next time, I'm out.